0: Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church. We are delighted you have chosen to listen in today. It's our hope the message of Jesus will continue to spread and bear fruit, both in your life and the world around us. For more digital content, feel free to check us out on the web at calvarybcmoultrie.com. And now for today's message. In life, opportunities arise that allow us to kind of step back, kind of to step back and consider the circumstances that have brought us to our current view of reality. And during these occasions, what we think about God, it's so amazing that often it can move from this theoretical, abstract God in the distance to a genuine, practical belief in a God that is moving actually in history. And if we believe this to be true, it will alter the very direction of our lives if we humble ourselves to these truths. And I believe we are at one of those opportunities. The global pandemic of COVID-19 has been adjusting everything in our lives for over a year. And I want us just to kind of step back for one Sunday to consider how we can view our reality and the things that maybe we need to adjust as a result of it. Thomas Brooks, one of my favorite Puritan writers of the 17th century, he says that every Christian must learn to read two books. Now, some of you might be thinking that's strange, and you might suspect the Bible is one of them, and you would be right. The Bible is something that the Christian spends much time in, enjoying, reading God's Word. However, the other book that he says we must often read is what he calls the Book of Providence. The Book of Providence. Some of you might be thinking, is that still in print? Well, kind of, sort of. John Piper just published one that's called Providence, but that's not what Thomas Brooks was referring to back then. See, the book of Providence is learning to look at history and everyday life events through the lens of Scripture. The book of Providence is this idea that God is not distant, but active in the world. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you think that God is one who simply created the world and he's kind of left us here to kind of keep things going. You know, he might choose to intervene, you know, things get a little crazy. But we're on our own for the most part. And perhaps right now you're even saying, God, it's a little crazy, intervene. But if we look at the scriptures and we see how God has revealed himself in the Bible, we see something about that is vastly different than what that says. See, God is not merely one who intervenes occasionally, but God is one who is actively working all things for his purposes and his ends. And this means that God has never stopped being engaged with his world. There's not one second in the timeline of history that God has not been moving history towards his purposes and in goals. Not one second has God taken a break. Not one second has God said, oh, well, I don't know what to do here. Not one second has he ever thought, well, they're too far gone. This is not the God of the Scriptures nor the God of our beliefs. But we see, we do see that through the power of His Word He created and that He is engaged with the world every second of every day. And God has always been there. But like a master conductor of a global orchestra, God has been playing a masterpiece to reveal His character in history. His glory above all else. The only problem is that there are times in the world's history where dissonance is the tune we hear. And if you're not musical and you don't understand what the word dissonance is, dissonance is the unpleasant sound created by the apparent clash of musical notes. To the untrained ear, it sounds simply like a cat jumping on a piano. Or a two-year-old strumming a guitar. Dissonance doesn't sound like harmony. Dissonance is the confusion of notes that do not seem to match up to the symphony that's being played. But what's amazing about dissonance is that a well-prepared conductor can use dissonance to create tension in his symphony. And I honestly believe this is what God is doing With the global pandemic that we have experienced over this last year, God uses the sounds of dissonance like this pandemic to help us to feel uneasy, to create tension in our the ear of our heart. God's providence is his purposeful engagement every second with the world that he brings his end goals to be. And there are times that his providence brings about the tension in the heart of a person through this concept of clashing sounds. When we believe there should be harmony. And during this pandemic, I have experienced and spoken to others who have experienced this tension in various types of pain. Various types of pain related to COVID-19 these pains have shown themselves in varying degrees of intensity and origination from various types of causes. Some of you, some of the people around us have felt the financial distress due to businesses is shutting down or the cancellation of making money opportunities. Many have felt the emotional pain of isolation from their loved ones in nursing homes. Even we've experienced the pain of longing to be with the loving bride of Christ and the accountability that we so long for. Simultaneously, others have experienced the shocking grief of losing a loved one during this time when everything just feels a little different. Yet mostly, what I hear is the echoing pain of hopelessness in our community. It is the sounding gong of the lost world with uncertain minds and roaming hearts and fumbling feet. They're just crying out for a solid place to lay their hearts. All of these things remind us of what the Bible uses, language like the moth and rust they do destroy. That the shortness of our lives is exposed like times, like these. And like two sides of a vice grip, our hearts are being squeezed, showing us where our true value, priorities, and hope lies. More than any of this, during this season of dissonance and tension, we need to heed the wisdom and the call of Scripture with greater sense of urgency. Supposing all this is true, that God has purposely brought about this pandemic, and He's done so in such a way that it might act like a vice grip squeezing the hearts of His people and the people of this culture from a mere hollow theology to a real, true trust and a sovereign God. An obedience to His providential purposes. If that's the case, then we need to ask ourselves, are there threads we see in Scripture that have always been part of God's design? Are there things we see that the Bible holds out that we as God's people or, or you maybe as a guest here today can say God is always about doing these things? I think we can see several of them. Several things that God has promised and said he will always be doing with his providence in this world. First, God has promised that he will continue to build his church. Matthew 16, 13 through 19 will be up on the screen for you. But as I read it for us, the scene here is Jesus is with his disciples. They've just had a conversation about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that they are to be aware of. And he looks at his disciples and he says, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is whom is in heaven. And listen to this, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In Matthew 16, we see that Peter confesses Jesus is Lord, and Jesus then in turn looks at Peter and he says, That's what I'm about doing. Bringing people to an understanding that our life is dependent on Christ and Christ alone. And he's been given this promise that I, God, will build my church. And not the gates of hell or the pandemic of COVID or the circumstances that surround anything will prevent the church from growing into the image of Christ. There is not one second that God has taken his hand off this thread through history that he says, I will build my bride. The church of Jesus Christ will always be moving forward, both in times of peace and in times of tension. Because God has promised this. So we must have the confidence to keep on working alongside God. Because He's about this work. We know He has promised to build His church Secondly, we know he always desires the sanctification of his people. He always desires the sanctification of his people. Look at, listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that you are, excuse me, that as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For we know what instruction we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. There's another thread we see outlined for us in Scripture that God is always doing. And regardless of the circumstances, he is purifying his bride. This is good news for you and me, because in this passage, Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to him. But did you catch out why he said that? He says, because it's God's divine purposes that my bride look more like me. God's unchanging purposes is the very sanctification of his people. See, God moves in circumstances and in ways to bring about both your greater obedience and holiness. What's amazing about our God is that he uses both timely blessings and timely tension to do this. He uses both timely blessings to bring about your sanctification. And he uses timely tension, like a pandemic, to bring about your sanctification. Your Christ-likeness. God has promised to bring about your growth brothers and sisters, he says it's part of his providential purposes in all things that you become more and more holy. So whether you feel like this is a season of blessing or this is a season of tension, there's one thing I can stand before you and promise you, God is sanctifying you in this moment. Are you on board with what he's doing? Not only that, we can see that God desires that his people constantly call a lost world to repentance in our everyday relationships. Second Peter chapter three, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but patient towards you, not wishing that any of you should perish, but that all should reach repentance But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will burn up and dissolve. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Wow. One of God's providential purposes is that you, his bride, are to be about the business of proclaiming King Jesus. And whether you did it or don't, it will be exposed one day. Because he desires all to be given the opportunity to hear the gospel and call to repentance. We think maybe sometimes God is moving slowly. Maybe it's just we're not talking enough about him. Maybe we're still living for our own kingdom instead of the kingdom that he says cannot be shaken. Brothers and sisters, the pandemic is a wake-up call to you and to me. We've got to be about evangelism. Declaring, announcing, proclaiming Jesus is the only hope in life and in death. See, God is always acting purposefully in the world to build His church for His glory. And the two primary ways He does this is through the growth of His church and sanctification and the call of repentance to a lost world. This pandemic is not a whisper. This pandemic has been a wake-up call for you and for me. That We're no longer allowed to walk in complacency. You're no longer allowed to walk in your agenda or your purposes. God says, my eternal purposes is what my people live for. The building of the bride through sanctification and accountability and loving church fellowship. And the diligent, passionate, creative Persistent work of evangelism to the lost world. Brothers and sisters, God has not stopped being engaged in these tasks, but my fear is maybe that some of us have. So, is there any hope for you or for me that we can be a part of these purposes that God has woven into the very fabric of history? And the Scriptures would have a resounding yes. And that takes us back to Isaiah 55 that we read as we started. Would you go there again with me as we're going to finish our time looking through this text. Isaiah 55. I'm going to read it one more time. Then we'll begin to ask, what is it teaching us? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come. Come. Buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And you labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me. And eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear. And come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Isaiah 55 is an invitation to all people. It flows out of the prophecies of Isaiah 53. Are you familiar with the prophecy of Isaiah 53? It screams 700 years before Jesus came of a one who would die taking the iniquities that were not His. It screams of one who would be Pierced for our transgressions, one who would be chastised so that we might be made at peace with God. And not only says that, but it says he would die and that he would come back and that through that God would give him the gift of his church. This is what precedes Isaiah 55. Then in Isaiah 54 is a chapter filled with hope and promises. Look there with me at verse 1 of chapter 54. He says, Sing, O barren one, who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you have not been in labor for the child of the desolate one will be will be more than the child of the one who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. He's saying, get ready guys because the nations are about to come in. He says, enlarge the tent. Put your pegs down and build them tall and strong and your string longer because the tent needs to be bigger because I'm doing a greater work than just saving Israel. I'm calling all nations to myself. And then 55, he holds his hand out and he says, come. Come to me. I believe Jesus might have to be echoing his words and his cry in Matthew where he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Several things we need to see from Isaiah 55. First, we see there are two types of people that are invited. I think all of us fall into one of these two categories. Look there at verse 1 again with me. It says, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money. So we have the thirsty who have no resources. They have no means of bringing about that which they long for most. There are people in this room, some of you, and there are people in the world who you feel the reality of your (laughs) resourcelessness. I don't even know if that's a word. You feel, you feel the the reality of your inability, especially in the midst of a pandemic. You know, you've experienced the fact that you have no resources to obtain the blessings purchased by Christ. And to you this morning, the invitation is simply come. Come come to that which cost no money look there he says without price so if you are still experiencing the pain caused on some level by this pandemic god's invitation to you this morning is to come to him and be satisfied find your hope from your wandering soul and the god who not cannot be shaken you don't have to have resources to come to this God. God says, I am the resource. I am the one who will provide the lamb. I am the one who will provide your salvation. I am the one who will provide your sanctification. I am the one who will provide your ultimate healing one day. I am the resource. And the call to you this morning is, come. But what's amazing is I don't think this next verse has to do with the same group of people. Look at verse 2. It says, why do you spend your money? Wait, he just said, I got no money. I think he's bringing in another category of people, another, another type of people here. And it's the same interesting thing. Look what it says. It says, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? These are thirsty people, but they got resources. But they got resources. It's those who have done very well through this pandemic. Maybe your business has been booming during this pandemic. Maybe you're thriving in this culture, but you've been doing it all by your own strength, and you still feel just as empty as the one who has no resources. I believe this is meant to be for that type of person. The first, those who feel that they have no resource. But then those who understand they have all kinds of resources, but then at the end of the day, everything they pursue is unsatisfying. Have you been there? Dad, as you pursue in your business, maybe your business has taken off during the pandemic. But you're just as unsatisfied as you were before it started. Maybe you've got a new job. Maybe you've got a new car. Maybe you've moved out into a better community, but you're still not satisfied. Why? Because those are not the things that satisfy the heart of a human being. Many people, and maybe some of you, have weathered through this pandemic by your own strength and have even had tons of resources at your your expense, but you experience the same emptiness that others are crying out from. This is God's invitation to you to wake up up. Come. Come to the water that never runs dry. Come to the fountain that never gets exhausted. Come to me, he says. So all of us fall into one of these two types of people. Which one are you this morning? Are you the one that literally is just like, I got nothing. I'm at the end of my ropes. I'm, I have no resources. I got nothing. right? Your invitation is to come. Or maybe you've got all the resources in the world, but you're still unsatisfied. The invitation is exactly the same to you. Come. Come to the God who says, I will be your light and your life and your water and your health and all of these things. I will be all of this for you. The invitation today for all of us is to come, drink, and eat at the table of our King who has purchased our salvation and our redemption. But the question is, what are we offered to come and partake of? I think Isaiah is very intentional in the three things he chooses here. Look there back there with me again at verse one. He says, Come, everyone who first come to the waters. And then he goes on and he, he says, And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat, come buy wine and milk. So we see three things that he, he kind of holds out that we were to come and partake of. Water, milk, and wine. I don't think this is always profitable to chase after words and try to figure out what they mean. But I do think Isaiah is intentional here. I think he's intentional in what he's saying he, God provides for his people. We, we would look at water, right? And we know the truth of what water is. It is essential for life. And maybe during this pandemic season, your heart has been squeezed by the vice grip of the circumstances you find yourself and you realize you've never tasted of God's mercies. And you literally are so dehydrated by the circumstances of this day. You're so worn out. You're like, where else can I go? And the invitation to you is come and find the water of Christ and be satisfied. The very beginning of life, the very essence of who we are is water. And he says, I am the water Maybe for the first time even right now. God is pricking at your heart. And I'm pleading with you and Isaiah is pleading with you. Come to the water of Christ and be satisfied. Jesus says it well in John 4.14. He says, but whoever drinks of this water that I give to him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is the water that you're invited to. But not only that, look at the next one, milk. We see Isaiah mentions milk and he says, come and drink. And, and we know if we're familiar with the Bible stories of Scripture that he says, I'm going to bring you into land flowing with milk and honey. We, we know what this is. This, this is the, the, the very nectar from the goats and the livestock that were all over the place and we can see through scripture there are many concepts that milk relates to it has the idea though we see in the new testament in peter where he says that we are to drink of the milk of the word and if you think about it think about it this way babies drink what for their first year milk why because it's the necessary nourishment that we grow And I do think one of the things Isaiah is doing here is he's saying, guess what? Not only am I going to give you water to bring you back into life, but I'm going to give you milk so that you can grow up into your sanctification. And maybe that's you during this pandemic. You know the Lord, but you've developed some very poor habits of drinking of the milk of his word. Things have changed. You've gotten more busy with this or with that or... You've just begun to neglect the Scriptures or even to ignore the body of Christ. Both of these are types of milk that we need to grow. And the call to you today, come. Come and drink of the milk of God's Word and the nourishment that's found among God's people. But I love that he doesn't stop there. What's the last one he says? Water, milk, and wine wine why would he mention wine well i love that if you study just the word wine in isaiah it's filled with all kinds of beautiful meanings so many portraits of so many things he mentions it here and we know especially in the book of isaiah it carries the idea of celebration and joy Celebration and joy, and we know that we've all been promised in the new heaven and new earth, new wine. Do you long for that day? To sit at the table of Christ Himself and see our Savior face to face, and for the first time since He wouldn't take of it in the presence of His disciples in that Last Supper, He will drink of the new wine again, and we will be with Him! What a celebration that will be! What a moment of joy it will be in our hearts. But the thing is, he says it doesn't have to wait till then to experience that joy. We get foretaste of that joy even now. And some of you here today, during this pandemic, you've you you know you know the Lord, and maybe you've been in the Word, but you've lost your joy. God is inviting you today. He's saying, "Come back." Come back to me and be satisfied with the wine of the joy of my salvation. And we need to be like David would cry out in the Psalms, Oh God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Church, we should be the most joyful people, especially during pandemics. Because we've got a God who says, I am for you, and I am with you, and I am doing something through you. You're invited today to the Messiah to come and drink deeply of the wine of His delights. And there will be a visible joy seen in God's people. And in my mind, this is one of the most incredible things missing I know in my life and in the life of the church. Joy-filled hope should be seen even in our very demeanor. Even in our very demeanor. There are times when our shoulders are down, when our head is bowed low, but we pick them up. Why? Because we know in the morning comes joy. We know that tears may saturate the night in our pillow, but I wake up in the morning and my God is still God. And he is providentially working out all of his purposes so that I can have my joy rooted and grounded in him. But I love how he he says two interesting things about these particular Resources. Look at there at verse 2 with me. He says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good. This is a quality word. Have you ever read the scriptures and said, ah, oh, that wasn't that good? I, I, I mean, there's times I may not get it. There's times I might not like what it's explaining about who I am and what I need, but the scriptures are always good because they point us to Jesus, who is always good. The scriptures that we eat of, they're always of the best quality. Psalm 34, 8, we sing it all the time, says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you believe it, church, that when we we come to our Savior for water, for milk, and for wine, that it's good? That it's rejoicing in my soul, that it's rejuvenating to my demeanor, that it changes the way I look at everything about my life. Our God is good. Come, experience Him. But not only that, look at the next phrase. It says, and delight yourself in rich food. This word rich, it really has to do more with quantity than anything else. It's translated in different ways at different locations. Listen to one of them in Psalm 65, 11. It says, you crown your, your, your year with bounty. Same word is rich. Listen to it. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. Psalm 36, 8 says, they feast on the abundance of your house and you give them drink from the rivers of your delight. That's our God. He's saying, come to me, come to me, come to me in in your circumstances. And and I will not only give you water and milk and wine, but it's, it's good. And guess what? I never run out. I never run out of resources for my people. I never run out of everything that you need. This is our amazing, glorious God declaring what He will do in Isaiah 55 and what He's done in His Son, Jesus Christ, some 700 years after this word of prophecy. Finally, we see there's two types of people. Those who have resources and those who do not. But the invitation is the same. Come. Come. We've seen that we are come to partake of the water, the milk, and the wine, which is good and rich and full of quantity. But have you seen that there are 12 commands in this? 12 different imperatives that that you and I are are called into. It says, come in verse 1. Come to the waters. Come by. Come by. Listen diligently. Delight yourselves. Incline your ear. Come here. 12 different times he says these things to us there are 12 of these commands in these few verses. And if we're to boil them all down, I believe they fall into a sort of spectrum to all of us in this room. One of you, you fall in all of the, one of these categories. First, the invitation just to come. Right now, some of you have never drank of the rivers of God's delight. You are still in your sin. You're still far off from God, running your own race, doing your own thing. And the call to you simply this morning, come. Are you unsatisfied? Are you broken? Are you prideful? Come. Come to Jesus. And the way you come is simply by saying, Only to Jesus I trust. We just sang it. And then we see the progression of, come and buy, come and, come and eat. And I think we do, we, that some of us have the faith that simply is going through the motions. And the pandemic is squeezing your lackluster faith and he's saying, no more. No more. Come and eat, come and, come and eat, and you've, you've intentionally neglected scripture reading, prayer, seldomly enjoying the fellowship of the saints, and God does not want you merely to come and experience a hollow faith. He's saying come and eat deeply of all of me, and I will change you from the inside out. But I love, it doesn't just say come, it just doesn't say come and eat, it says come and eat and delight. I don't know about you, but I've been to tables before that I've come to the invitation to come. And I've sat at the table and I've ate, but it was not a delight. Hamburgers were a little too well done, peach cobbler was a little too not done. But that's not what God says is what His people. That's not what He has. He doesn't come to us and say, Hey, come to my table and we'll figure out what we're going to do. I'm not quite sure yet. No, He's already got it all figured out. He's already purchased everything necessary for you and for me. He says, come, eat. And not just sit and eat, but He says, delight in the rivers of my mercy and grace. Swim in them. They're an ocean deep. Enjoy them. Drink them down. You can never stop drinking. It'll never run out. They're good. They're rich. He says, come, eat, and delight in me. Oh, church, we need to be this type of people that we eat and we delight in our God. Because you know, when we truly delight in our God, we can't help but tell our hurting world about this same God. Maybe we don't tell God because you still don't delight in Him. I know that's true of me so often. Some of this room have lost the joy of our salvation. And today, the invitation to you is to come eat And delight in the goodness of our God. If you today are hearing the words of the Lord. And you find yourself in any one of these categories. Let me challenge you. To speak to someone today. Find someone to talk to. I'll be available at the front in just a moment. Or even after the service. But if God is showing you that you were never a part of his bride. And he's inviting you today. We'd love to talk to you more about that. Or maybe you've lost your joy and you just want us to pray with you that God will restore to you the joy of your salvation. We want to do that with you today. And finally, we need to be those who go and announce this good news. Look with me at verse 4 and 5 of Isaiah 55. It says, Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples. Again, I, I think the first first mountain we see is that of David, but we know ultimately Christ was the greater david says behold i made him a witness to the peoples a leader and a commander among the peoples he says but you shall call a nation that you do not know and a nation that you did not know shall run to you because of the lord your god and of the holy one of israel for he has glorified you brothers and sisters that's found in us we have not just been called to be complacent in our walk and delight of the lord but we've been called to go to the nations to declare this good news And this pandemic has shook me to my core to remind me that I have become very complacent. I delight in the Lord. I truly do. I love to feast on His Word and sing His praises. But I've become so apathetic for the nations. I've had to get on my knees and say, God, forgive me, for you delight in the nations, and you delight in my neighborhood, and you delight for moultrie, and we need to be those same type of people. So what does that mean for us moving forward? We've had to stop certain things or do certain things. And so very quick application points for us. Maybe you've been mostly staying at home watching over Facebook. I think there's a time and an appropriateness for that. But that was never God's intention. It was never God's intention. And I would encourage you if you're there watching Facebook and that's been your habit now. I would challenge you to ask yourself this question. Do you go to the gym? Do you go to the grocery store? Then you need to come here too. My counsel for anyone who is that way, they will be on Facebook, whatever, is that has a pastor, I'm pleading with you, come back to us. I know there's timing and there's wisdom and all that, but I'm pleading that God did not design for us to watch or celebrate or rejoice in Him via screen. Probably need to be here. We've had to stop lots of things. One of my favorite things we do is our four Sunday meals and, and praise God and our redemption groups. I, I think those things are, it's time for us to really begin those again, to really get engaged in each other's life. The isolation that I felt and the the distance from people, I, I just say, hey, it's coming. We normally take June and July off as we go through the calendar year. So so come August, we're going we're gonna to launch everything back up. We're going to start eating together. We're going to start having our redemption groups again. So I'm excited about that. So start praying again. And We used to have it at certain people's house, but if you really are just a burden to host a redemption group, let us know. Let Pastor David or myself know as we seek to launch them again very soon. We also believe it's time for us to begin, begin thinking about a nursery and what that might look like. So pray for us. And if you've got a burden for that, let us know. And as you know, we've slowly started phasing out masks, but we still believe it's wise and there's wisdom that needs to be had for all of us. Pastor David and I will still continue to wear them, especially during the Lord's Supper. But above all else, if you see that someone doesn't have a mask, we want to encourage you to feel comfortable taking it off and speaking to them without a mask, if that's what you desire to do. But above all else, Church, David and I want to stand boldly before you in this moment and say, have the courage to be evangelists. Our community is ripe with hopelessness. And they need to hear of the solid footing that is Christ. So we urge you to use your neighborhood. We urge you to use your table. We urge you to use every breath you have to make Christ known. And may we see God do glorious things for His name's sake. But above all else, brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you, as I've heard your stories, as I've heard the things going on, our God is faithful. If anything else I've seen in the midst of the pandemic is the faithfulness of God. We can press into Him. We can lean into this God. And I pray you would do so Would you pray with me? Father, we come now. Thanks for listening in to today's message. For more information about our church, feel free to visit us at CalvaryBCMoultrie.com. We hope you will join us again next time. Until then, grace and peace.